0: Once again, thank you for the invitation to come and join you. Um, just as a, an opening sentence and almost my prayer for today, take from Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Amen. Just a little bit about myself. Um, Jim rightly says we've known, our families have known each other for 30 years now. I'm slightly older than that now. My history goes back. I was born and brought up in Manchester to, within a Christian family, a a shared house with my parents and my mother's mother, my paternal grandmother. And it's really uh, my nana, as I used to call her, who is responsible for my faith. She used to read me Bible stories as a very small child, and I can remember that now. I always went to church with the family, um, and uh, I kind of grew up thinking that all was right. And um, I grew up in the Church of England, and when I was confirmed at 13. As a conscious decision, I asked to, to, to be confirmed and took part in the full life of the church. At about the age of 16, I went away to a Bible camp down in Devon, and it was then that um, I realized that I had to make a decision for Christ for myself. And at that stage, I, I would say I formally accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, my personal Lord and Savior, not just the family's Lord and Savior, if that makes sense. I was told at that camp, God doesn't have any grandchildren, He only has children. And that stuck with me all my life. So that, I guess, was the formal stage at which... I became a Christian uh, and uh, subsequently went away to to university and still carried on uh, attending church and um, college chaplaincy. And it's through that that I met my lovely wife and we subsequently married. Um, uh, I had gone back from that camp originally and talked to my church about what the scripture said about the Holy Spirit. And they said, "Oh, we don't do that here. So, um, it was some years later, and I, I, I can tell you exactly when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was traveling on a train between Alton Broad and Norwich, and I was reading Dennis Bennett's book, Nine O'Clock in the Morning. And he said, effectively, try it. Try and see what God gives you. And I found myself speaking in tongues. I couldn't actually tell you it was that at the... At the time, but within a year, Jane and I, with some friends from our church, had gone to a um, a weekend away to learn about sacred dance in worship. It seems a bit bizarre, but actually God met with me in a very powerful way there. Uh, and I, I would say that uh, that was a confirmation that what I'd received on the train was a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it was at that stage that I almost felt like scales falling from the eyes. You know, the the words of um, Ananias to Paul in the New Testament. that scales fell from Paul's eyes and he saw things in the new light. And I suddenly realized a lot of what had been going on around me was the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, And I kind of never looked back from then. We we moved down to Hastings in 1981 um, to be part of the family business. And it was through um, mutual friends that we met, Jenny and Jim. I'm um, privileged to say that we've known Jim since he became a Christian, which is great. And our oldest son is the same, very nearly the same age as their youngest son. So long um, links with the family there. So that's my background. Uh, I've been playing and uh, guitar and singing in a music group in church since the age of about 14. Um, but I had little understanding of what was involved in worship at that time, um, nor of the grace of our great God. Um, and here I am. I, I reckon it's about 45 years later now. Um, uh, but I'm very grateful to you for this invitation to speak. Um, Jim asked me to talk around worship, my experience, and um, what I've learned, and maybe share with you. Um, One of the things that I have learned in the intervening period is just how little we glimpse of the the infinite variety uh, and beauty of God who made this universe, yet he sent his son to die for me and it was for me personally as it it was for you and that's something that you you need to come and appreciate Um, and over the years I've begun to appreciate it more and more. Uh, it might seem like um, an odd place to uh, go next, but um, I want to take you to the famous chapter that's often used in marriage and um, read out for the uh, the work about love. But it's not that. I want to remind you that uh, Paul said to the Corinthians, Now we see only reflection in the mirror, then we shall see face to face. And that's kind of the picture that I have about worship. And worship is a means of just glimpsing the face of God. Um, again, reminded of the um, the Old Testament story where um, Moses goes up the mountain to receive the tablets and he comes down and his face is so radiant that the people can't look at him. And it's like that. In our human terms, we can't glimpse the face of God. and um, in, in reality without being destroyed, and I'll come on a little bit more to that in, in a moment. But because of the grace of God and the mercy of God and because of the grace of Jesus, we can um, come into the reality of knowing God for who he is, even if it is only a glimpse. We have this dilemma um, in human terms that it's a, we have a God of the now and the not yet, so throughout Scripture, we're littered with these, um, these references in the Bible where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is coming and the kingdom of God has come. And both are true, but in slightly different ways. And as we go through life, we get a, a glimpse uh, a bit more than that. My first main point is that every member of mankind has a God-shaped hole at his or her center. Uh, If you think about the the early stories in Genesis, where God made man, um, he talks particularly about this. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them in the image of God. That's what it effectively it means. So God's imprint is in every human being, right from the beginning. And he gave them a... um, task to do there. Um, he he gave them dominion over the earth and told them to rule uh, the other creatures. He also talked about the plants being given for food and God saw what he'd made was good and everything in it. And and that's our story. It's still our story. Now, God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and it talks about um, um, God conversing with them uh, in the cool of the evening. And that is our covenant, that is our um, our inheritance, that one day will be restored. But on this earth, um, it's still incomplete, so we have some way to go. And the worship of God is something that we, um, we can experience. And, and we can grow into. Um, but we what we have to do is we have to participate in that worship uh, to know it fully. And um, sometimes it's a bit like me on the train with my book and saying, well, how do I go about this? And the book says, try it. So you have to try. You have to try worshipping. And sometimes um, the, um, the Anglican service book talks about it is our duty And our joy at all times and in all places to worship you, O God. And sometimes it is a duty, it's not just a joy. So when you're dry and you're barren, you still have a duty to come into God's presence and worship him because he's worthy. And that's one of the reasons I picked the song about Blessed Be Your Name, because it always reminds me, you give and take away. And sometimes we see the face of God and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're very dry and therefore... uh, we don't experience God, but that doesn't mean to say he's not there. He's not Daddy, Abba, Father, standing there with his arms open, waiting you to welcome him into your presence. But it's up to you to come. And as a child, I used to go to my father however I was feeling. If I'd, if I'd fallen off my bike and scraped my knee, I'd go sometimes in tears, not in joy. Um, but he could always make it better. And um, our heavenly God, how much, far, how much more so. The second thing I wanted to say, and again, it's kind of related to that, and I, I, I confess I've been guilty of this in the past. I've come to to, um, corporate worship, and I've, I've sat there, metaphorically at least, with my arms folded, and said, go on then, impress me. And actually, that's not what it should be. The whole point about the worship of God is not saying what do I get out of this service? It's about what have I come to contribute? Not, for, not just for yourself, but also for the body of Christ. It's about supporting and um, lifting your brothers and sisters into the presence of Almighty God. So you have to be prepared to come. And actually that takes some um, preparation beforehand. I, I used to think you could just kind of walk in through the door of, uh, of the chapel or the church uh, and it's almost like flicking a light switch and you could turn the presence of God on. But you can't. It's not that God's not here. It's that I'm not in the right place to experience his presence and the gifts that he has for me that day. Um, just reminded again, going back uh, to, um, I actually looked it up, the, the shorter... Westminster Catechism was written in 1647 and yet the words are still relevant today, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever and that's the prospect that we have not only in this, uh, in, in this life uh, but uh, in eternity as well just looking at John chapter 4 and the, the words of the Samaritan woman at the well uh, reading from verse 21, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. There we go. Now and to come. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit in spirit. And in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. In the Sermon on the Mounts, Jesus talks about uh, our offerings, and that we must come with a heart that's right. And, and Jim reminded of us of that before we actually broke bread and and shared wine together. Uh, But Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, um, if you're offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave the gift at the altar. First go and be reconciled and then offer your gift. And I think that is so relevant to us that we come with all sorts of hurts, all sorts of damage. And please know which way it's round. It's not that you have something against your brother or sister. It's if they have something against you. Um, again one of the things I was reminded out at that Bible camp was if you're pointing at somebody there are at least three fingers pointing back at you so just remember that that actually there's probably um, several things in there that uh, we need to be wary of I'm uh, very conscious of the time I'm also conscious that I want to leave you with a a positive thought not a, a negative and so I want to go back to a book that's a favorite of mine and I would commend it to if you haven't read it it's celebration of discipline by Richard Foster he talks about the spiritual di- disciplines and it's quite a heavy book but um, there's a lot in it and he talks expressly about the discipline of worship in here uh, and he uses that word advisedly and um, And just this final bit here. um, Worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Its central reality is found in spirit and in truth. It is kindled within us only when the Spirit of God touches our human spirit. Forms and rituals don't produce worship, nor does the disuse of forms and rituals we can use all the right techniques and methods we can have the best possible liturgy but if we have not worshiped the lord and we will not worship the lord until the spirit of god touches our spirit and i just i thought that was so so right that we need we need the holy spirit to to quicken to liven our worship um, the final thing and the reference I want to come back to, and it's kind of a, the text that I started with when I started putting my thoughts down together, and um, come from Romans chapter twelve and, and verses one, one and two. So just to read those out briefly and then explain. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then the writer goes on, do not conform to the pattern of this will, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The concept of a living sacrifice to um, Jews of Jesus' day would have been a, um, something that was hard to grasp because a, a sacrifice in Old Testament worship involved giving it wholly to God and, and it was usually consumed in one way or another often by fire so the idea of a living worship was it didn't fit it's almost like um, a complete mismatch you can't be living Uh, uh, and also be a sacrifice. It doesn't fit together. If you're sacrificed, there's something about being given holy to the Lord, which usually means being destroyed in some way. And the one thing that Jesus did was he gave us this opportunity. And that's the beauty. We're no longer in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant of grace, which means because of the death of Jesus, we can come into the presence of a holy and mighty God and offer our worship. The other thing I want to leave you with a thought, and again, please, I need to explain it before you you shoot me down as a heretic. Mission will not exist in heaven because we don't need to evangelize in heaven because everybody there will be already in the presence of the perfect God. Now that actually gives us more uh, encouragement and perhaps more urgency for our need for mission in this life. Because if we don't uh, share the good news of Jesus with those who don't know, then they're going to miss out for eternity. The good news for you and me is if you've made your commitment to Jesus, then you're going to be there in heaven and you'll worship forever and ever the living God. And on that note, I really want to finish but just to say, as Jim has already said, it's been on my heart for this week, that if any of you don't know Jesus, then this is an opportunity to ask either the folk here, or if you wish to come and talk to me, I'd be more than happy at the end to talk to you about this Jesus, this God whom I know personally, um, and who I wish to worship the rest of my life. Let's just pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for the gift of Jesus. Thank you that his life was freely given, that I can be restored to the presence of the Almighty God, that I can say, Abba, Father, and know that I will be with him for eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.